is about to change. Hold them up real high. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Reben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this morning to be able to come into a place and worship and hear your word. And Father, I pray that our hearts are receptive, our minds are open, and we are prepared for our lives to change for the better. And so I thank you for the Holy Spirit who's already here to begin to move and have access to every part of our spiritual being. And I pray that the revelation of your word will sink down deep so, Father, it will produce seeds and roots and eventually produce fruit. And so I decrease now and I thank you for teaching us in such a simplistic yet revolutionary way in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Today, I believe God wants me to share with you some principles from the Word of God that would allow you to trigger the faith that's inside of your heart that will eventually produce miracles for your life. Everybody say miracles. And I know many of us grew up hearing miracles in the Bible but never necessarily seeing miracles today. But I just want you to know that miracles are still able to happen today. If we're serving the same God that we're reading about in the, in the Word, then the same God that existed then is the same God that we serve now. And if He is the same God, which He is, then He still has the power and the ability to produce miracles in our life. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. And so the purpose of this morning's lesson is to release, release life-changing teaching that will provide you with practical principles to help you understand how miracles work and how you can get in position to work miracles in your life. See, I know many of us say, well, a miracle cannot be explained. Well, it may not be able to be explained in terms of how God did it, but it should have some principles in it that we can do in our lives that can help us get in position to receive a miracle. So I want you to find three verses of Scripture. Find John chapter 2 and verses 1. I want you to find 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. And then John chapter 4, verses 46. I'll say those again. John chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1. And then John, instead of John 4.46, I'm going to go to John 6.6, 6, all right? And here's the first thing. You, 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 this is where I want to start out. You have to believe for a miracle, and then you have to obey for a miracle. 
Miracles are triggered. Everybody say miracles are triggered. Everybody that we're going to study this morning, the reason miracles happened in their life is because some faith instructions were given. Then faith instructions were obeyed. Somebody had to believe and then eventually they had to receive. Amen. And so uh, I want to give you the definition of what a miracle is. And this is a biblical definition. A miracle is something that is done that God uses, watch this, to authenticate men that he has sent. And it also means an unusual occurrence transcending the natural course of nature. I'm going to say the latter one again. A miracle is something or an, an unusual occurrence transcending the natural course of nature. In other words, when it's something that God does that actual, actually supersedes nature. It's something that he, only he can do. It's like when Joshua was in the Old Testament, they were in the middle of a war. And they were winning the war, but the sun was going down. And they didn't want to stop fighting because they wanted to win the war ultimately. So you know what, uh, what Joshua did? He commanded that the sun stand still. He commanded that the sun stop. And stay up until they got through fighting. And then after they got through fighting, the sun went back down. And we now, to this day, scientifically can prove that there's a day missing. They can scientifically trace that something happened where a day got missing. And it's because of Joshua. Amen. And so... Uh, that's what a miracle is. And the same miracle working power that caused miracles to happen in the Bible days can happen today. So here's my question. I'm going to prove that to you right now. How many of you in this room, you can say that one time in your life at least, God did something supernatural that was a miracle in your life? Let me see your hand. Now look around, look around, look around, look around. Okay, so if God did miracles then, he must do them today or we wouldn't have raised our hand. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, you don't have to turn there, just listen to it. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now, let me ask a question. How many believe it takes power to raise somebody up from the dead? Okay, so what Romans 8 is saying, that if that spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead lives in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead also shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit. What basically what he's saying is the same power, the miracle working power that it took to get Jesus Christ out of the grave, that same miracle working power is living inside of you. Amen. All right. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to share six principles that you and I need to know about miracles. Six principles. Everybody say six principles. And I believe if you will position yourself, because this is going to be a very user-friendly message. In other words, it's not going to be too spiritual. It's going to be very practical. So when you leave today, I believe you will be able to know that you're in position to see miracles happen in your life. All right, here's number one. Here's point number one or principle number one. There has to be a need. There has to be a need. In order for a miracle to take place, there has to be a need. Watch this. It has to be a desire or there has to be a want for better. Now go to John chapter 2. Go to John 2. We're going to see this principle in the first miracle that Jesus performed. This miracle where 
the first thing that happened, there has to be a need. There has to be a desire for more. There has to be a desire for want or better. In John chapter 2, look in verse 1. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called or invited and his disciples to the marriage. And whoever this was knew that if you invite Jesus, you got to invite 12 more people. That's probably why they ran out of my wine. The disciples was drinking all of it. Look at verse 3. And when they, what's the next word? Huh? They wanted wine. Now let me ask you a question. Do you, have, do you need wine or do you want wine? Some of y'all said, I need some right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Wine is not a necessity. Water is. But in this case here, they wanted some wine. So when you need a miracle, it does not always have to be something you need. It could actually be something you want to. Watch this. Verse 4. Jesus, uh, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, that's interesting. Why? I mean, I don't know if she was the wedding coordinator or what, but why would she come to him? I mean, think about it. That's like, that's like you showing up at a, at, a, at a wedding and they run out of punch and they come up to you and say, we got a punch. So? <laughs> well, she came to Jesus. And so in verse 4, he says, woman, what do I have to do with you? I'm not the wedding coordinator. My hour is not yet come. Watch verse 5. His mother said unto the servants, whatever he says unto you, what? Do it. But I want you to see in verse 4 or verse 3, she had a need. They had a need. And I'm not sure if the wedding and the, uh, the, or the groom and, and the bride, I don't know if they knew they ran out. But she was asking Jesus to fix a problem that wasn't even his. And if you continue to read, the Bible says this was his first miracle. Now, I really question, this is just my imagination now, because it does say this was his first miracle. But I wonder why she knew to go to him. You know, maybe he did some stuff when he was little. Jesus, can you go to the store and get some sugar? Well, I don't want to walk to the store. We're not out of sugar, are we? Yes, we're out of sugar. You sure, Mama? Can you look one more time? Okay. Wow! Where did this sugar come from? Maybe he did that. I don't know. But she knew to go to him, right? There has to be a need. Now go to, keep your hand here because we're going to come back. Go over to 2 Kings chapter 5. Everybody say there must be a need. There must be a need. Now here's my question. How many of you have a need in your life right now? So now you qualify, at least with this first principle, to experience a miracle. Let's look in 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to look at a person whose name was Naaman. In verse 1 it says, Now Naaman was captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a great man. Everybody say a great man. He was a great man with, with his master. He was honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Everybody say a mighty man of valor. But he had a problem. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out in the companies and brought away captives out of the land of Israel. Watch this now. 
and a little maid and she was waiting on Naaman's wife. In other words, they had captured some Israelites. And out of that capture, they found a little maid who happened to be an Israelite. And she ended up being Naaman's wife's helper. And so in verse 3, she said unto her mistress or Naaman's wife, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of leprosy. She said, you know what? I know somebody who can help your husband get healed from leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus says the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria went on, and watch this, and I will send him a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment, and he brought the letter to the king. In other words, he went to the king of Israel. He said, Listen, I need to know about somebody who can heal. Here's all these gifts. Can you... Put me in contact with this person. And the king got scared. He's like, wait a minute, man. I don't do that kind of stuff. And so eventually, in verse 8, And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king saying, What happened? What's wrong? Why are you tearing your clothes? And so it says, So Naaman came with his horses and with the chariot and stood by the door of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan. How many times? Remember, there was a need. What was his need? He needed healing. And he says, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again to you and it will be clean. But Naaman got angry. He went away. Watch this now. And here is the reason why most people do not experience miracles. Because they have in their mind how they believe God ought to do it. And if you already have figured out how God's going to do it, you don't need a miracle because only God has that information. Watch what happened here. It says, he says, I thought. He would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord and God and strike his hand over the place. and He already had tried to figure out, this is how God's going to do it right here. I know what's going to happen. God's going to give me a raise. I'm going to walk in the office and my my boss is going to come up to me. and they Listen, listen, you have relegated your, your increase to a mere job. Somebody can walk up to you and give you your raise. But if you have it all, well, it's, listen, and see, this is a problem with some of you. Your increase has only been relegated to where you go to work. God's bigger than your job. One idea can take you from the back all the way to the front. Amen. I was meeting with a member and... Uh, they were in between jobs, and, you know, and, and finally I just said to them, I said, you know what? I need you to stop applying where you're applying. I said, let me tell you something. Something's going to happen. You're going to end up doing something that is completely different than you've ever done. In fact, you've never done this before. I met with them this week, and God gave them an idea to start a business that they never had done before. And God, guess what? They're already getting contracts for the business. Amen. Everybody said there must be a need. And so eventually he went out, he dipped into, verse 14, he dipped into it seven times and he became clean. But here's my point, there must be a need. Here's number two. Now, let me just say this too. Uh, let me just put it in today's world. We didn't need Landon. 
We wanted Landon. Landon is my little boy, if you don't know. We had heaven. That's one kid. How many of those kids are expensive? I mean, you can't put them on layaway and go get them when you need them. We wanted a new kid. But we needed a miracle to have one. Amen. Jesus needed more than just five fish and or five loaves of bread and three fish. But he knew he had miracle working power. Amen. Moses, they needed to cross over through the Red Sea. They needed a miracle. So here's number two. There must be a request for the miracle to take place. There must be a request. Everybody say, there must be a request. And see, in my opinion, many people just manage to get by instead of believing God for something supernatural. Man, let somebody's waiting on your testimony. Most people just manage to just get by instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God to come through for me. Amen. They accept struggle instead of standing in faith for a miracle. So you have to make a request. Or James 4, 2 put it like this. You have not because you ask not. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For every one of you who asks receives. And every one of you who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks the door shall be opened. So you just can't have a need for a miracle. You have to now ask God for a miracle. Amen. And somebody at that wedding was smart enough to not just invite Jesus, but involve Jesus. See, you can have Jesus in your life. He can have been invited into your heart. But my question is, is he involved in your life? See, they just didn't, didn't invite him. Somebody invited him, but somebody else involved him. And when you involve him, you are now in position for miracle working status. So here, you have to ask. And James chapter 5 verse 14, which I did this morning with one of our members. It says, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. If you are sick, you call. Don't let anybody else call. You call. You know why? Because faith comes when you do something. I get so many calls. Pastor so-and-so not feeling good. So-and-so. No, let so-and-so call. Because their faith is exercised when they do. Amen. Faith, come, faith without works is dead. It said, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if they have committed sins, it shall be forgiven. You say, well, pastor, what if I lay hands on, what if you come down, I come down and, and y'all pray for me and I don't get well. Well, my thing is, if you don't believe you're going to get well, don't come. Listen, I don't have a problem praying for you. You know why? Because it's not my responsibility to heal you. Listen, if God cannot heal us, then what makes us think heaven is real? Here we are believing that one day we're going to go to a place that's paved with gold, a place that has pearly gates, a place where there's no sickness, no dying, no crying, but yet and still we can't trust him to just heal us. Here's number three. Here's a third principle. First you have to 
have a need. Then you have to request for that miracle. Then number three is, here's just something you need to know. God will sometimes use something for the miracle that we already have in our possession. He will sometimes use something that's already in our possession. In other words, a seed sometimes that will initiate the process of a miracle harvest. And I think some of you all did that last week. Because some of you all gave out of your need. And see what happens is, and I want you to think about this. God used the Jordan River. The Jordan River already existed. He already had, it already existed. Jesus used water that was already available. In other words, that those people had something in their possession that God wanted to use to help the miracle take place. And in that case, in the, at the wedding, he had some wine. You know what I'm so glad Jesus didn't do? I'm glad he didn't take some, some wine that wasn't over yet and use it and multiply it. Because, see, I'm, the reason I'm glad he didn't do that, because sometimes we don't have nothing for this miracle to start. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create something out of something. Because he took the water and he made it wine. So whatever you have in your possession, he may be able to use that to make your miracle. He did it with the widow woman over there. He said she had a little oil, a little cruise, a little bread. A, and he said, give me some of that. That was her miracle start. Amen. Jesus used five loaves and three small fish. Even though it wasn't enough to feed 5,000, it was enough to get the miracle started. Moses used the rod of God to part the sea. Listen, God used what was in Moses' hand, what's in yours. He was standing in the brink, and here it is, the sea. You got the sea in front of you, and you got your enemies behind you. You got your bills in front of you, and you have your bill collectors behind you. You have sickness in front of you, and you have God, your children behind you. What am I going to do? He said, what's in your hand, Moses? What's in your hand, Moses? Amen. So you got to understand, sometimes what you need for the miracle might just be in your midst. Here's number four. There must be faith to obey God's instruction. There must be faith to obey God's instructions because I want you to write this down. Because obedience triggers the supernatural. Obedience triggers the supernatural. Watch this. Listen, let me just set this straight. Our part is always natural. God's part is always supernatural. Without the natural, there can be no supernatural. Let me put it like this. Without natural, super can't be put on top. And so many of us don't see God do things because we haven't done in the natural what he wants us to do. He wanted Naaman to go dip in that river seven times. Everybody say, that's the natural. I mean, and, and you know what? He balked at it. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know why? Because the Jordan River was one of the dirtiest rivers around. So he was like, wait a minute. And you can read it. He goes back and says, well, why isn't this river better? This river better. Well, see, the Bible says God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not his ways. So if he wants you to dip in the Jordan, you better get your behind down there to Jordan and get to dipping. And you have to do the natural before you can get the supernatural. Amen. Watch this. This is so good right here. Uh, what number am I on? Five. Here's number six. I'm on number five. I'm on four. Okay, I'm moving to five because I'm running out of time. Here's number five. 
There must be an open. Let me go back to the obedience just a minute here. Let me just do this. Because many of us, we see the sacrifice of obedience, but we don't see the blessings of obedience. See, you can never let the sacrifice of obeying outweigh the end result of what a miracle looks like. I mean, some of us, we have a sacrifice. We're sacrificing for our kids. But you know what? You'll see it. You'll see it. Don't worry about it. I know getting up early in the morning with land. I'm going to see it one day. I'm seeing it in heaven. Right now, heaven is pretty self-disciplined. She comes home. She does her own homework. We don't have to beg her. She gets up. She's only in school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Tuesday and Thursdays are days she does her homework. We, we don't have to ride her to do that. You know what? That was imparted. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And guess what's going to happen? They won't depart from it at the end. So you got to obey. Just look at your name and say, you got to obey. You got to obey. You got to obey. got to obey. All right. Here's number five. There must be an open heart along with bold intentions to obey the instructions even without full understanding. In other words, sometimes God will tell you to do something and it don't make no sense. It just don't make no sense. When I was getting ready, I'm telling you, y'all heard the story, but I'm telling you, I, I know what I'm talking about. When, he, when uh, I asked him when to get married years ago, when, when my wife and I were engaged and uh, I was finishing school, didn't have a whole lot of money left, he said, I want you to get married right after you graduate. Well, how many know that's a bold faith instruction? But I either had to obey or pay my own way. Because when you don't obey, you pay your way. Well, I said, I'm all right. Well, and this is what he said. He said, are you going to get married according to your riches and glory or mine? Well, I didn't have none anyway. <laughs> now, let me tell you what I did have. I did have some credit cards. I did have some credit cards. So I could have just said, well, okay, all right. And then I just used my credit cards and just get myself in debt. I'm talking to somebody right now because you're contemplating it right now. I'm talking to somebody right now. You are contemplating using some credit card to do some stuff. And I'm saying to you, today you can experience a miracle if you will open your open up your heart right now. Now, I'm going to prove to you that I'm talking to somebody. Everybody bow your heads right here. Who was I just talking to? Raise your hand. There's one right there, two right there, three right there, four right there, five. That's good. Put your hand down. I just wanted y'all to know I was talking to somebody. Okay. Now, if you're visiting us, that's called just uh, uh, insight or we call it maybe a word of knowledge. That's what that is. God's just speaking to some people. So I challenge them. If they stop, if they don't use that credit card, God's going to come through. And y'all going to write me a testimony. And I'm going to say, praise the Lord. You didn't have to discover nothing. <laughs> <laughs> go to John 6 as we close here go to John 6 because God instructed me to pray for those who need a miracle today John chapter 6 let, let me show you something about how miracles work and here's, here's the uh, here's the thing I need you to get from this point right here in John chapter 6, and this is when they were feeding the five loaves and the two fishes and the 5,000 men plus women and children. Uh, when he challenged Philip in verse 5, it says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company coming. He said unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Watch this. And this he said to test him. For he, Jesus, himself knew 
what he was going to do. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. What kind of need you have, how big or small it is, God already knows what he's going to do. He already knows. See, here's the problem. We don't. We're like Naaman. Well, maybe he'll do this and maybe he'll do that and maybe I could go to this river. Well, maybe not. You don't know how God's going to do it. So, this reminds me of one of the stories of our member. Uh, we had a member who was in school. Uh, I think she's finishing now, but she was in school at SMU. And uh, she had, she owed 60, I think it was $62,000, something like that. sixty dollars or $62,000 in the school loans for the, from the previous semester. So, you know, you can't even start your current semester if you ain't got your money for your previous semester. And so, you know, she got some scholarship money and, and uh, she said, you know, this is when God was challenging her to tithe. She got some scholarship money and she was like, should I tithe on this? And the Lord was like, yeah, you need to tithe. She had given 300 bucks, which is more money she had ever given her life. But what she didn't know is she was setting up herself uh, to, to receive a miracle. And so this was for her senior year. I'm sorry, she owed the money for her senior year. So uh, long story short, the, the, the semester started coming and guess what she ended up getting a scholarship and I'm going to give you the exact amount the scholarship amount was $59,700 $300 short of what she needed how many know she can, you can find $300 by asking 300 people for a dollar you got 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 a dollar oh I'm paid in full praise the Lord but she received a miracle because she trusted God. She obeyed what he said. And you know what? God is no respect of persons. What he does for one, he will do for others. If he did miracles then, he can do miracles now. We need to just open up our heart, trust him, obey him, and expect him to do it. I'm tired of people walking around with lack, walking around suffering, walking around sick, when all you have to do is say, Lord, I need a miracle. Most people who got God's attention, who got Jesus' attention, the reason they did is because the Bible says they cried out. Man, listen, you want something bad enough? I dare you to cry out. Barnabas, he cried out. Man, let me tell you something. When it gets real and you know you need it, you better cry. And I'm not talking about with tears. I'm talking about with your mouth. If you can do it at the Dallas Cowboy game, you can surely do it right here. Man, if you knew that God was going to fix your problem based on your cry right now, man, you'd be crying out to God. And I believe miracle working power is available. And I believe God's going to do some right here at Word of Truth Family Church. So if you need a miracle, I'm talking about something that can't nobody fix but God. I'm talking about something that's been stressing you out. You don't know how you're going to fix so There are some people that are behind on your mortgage. And God is going to do a miracle in your life.
You say, well, pastor, I don't know what to do. Listen, do the natural. Call them up and say, I ain't got it. But when I get it, I'll give it. If you need a miracle, I want you to stand up. Because I'm going to be in agreement. Okay. I should have just asked everybody to stand up then. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, you instructed me this morning to pray for those who need miracles. I had no clue that this many people needed miracles in their life, but you did. And so, Lord, I'm asking now in Jesus' name, we already qualify because the principles are there first must be a need and then there must be a request. I want all of you all right now, right there at your seat, just begin to ask God for a miracle in your situation. Just right there at your seat. You do it. Just begin to ask him right there. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for the miracle of our building. Thank you, Lord, for supplying more than we could ever imagine. Thank you, Lord, that we'll have more at the end of our building process than we started at the beginning. Thank you, Lord, for meeting every need in this place, Lord. Thank you for miracles in bodies, miracles, Father, in marriages, miracles, Father, in families, miracles on jobs, miracles in businesses, miracles, Father, with those who are trying to get their own homes, Lord. Thank you. They've run into some roadblocks, but God, the roadblock is not a roadblock. It's an opportunity for them to see the miracle working power of the living God. Did you ask him? Now, Father... The Bible says, is there anything too hard for you? I know it's not. So I'm asking now that you will create the right circumstances and the right situations for miracles to take place in everyone who's standing in this room. Oh, glory to God. I thank you, Father, that these miracles are going to saturate the streets of Arlington and Dallas and Fort Worth and Mansfield. That, Father, they'll be able to go back to co-workers and family members and even people who, uh, who they owe money. They'll be able to go back and testify of the miracle that you did in their situation. And, Lord, I declare, you said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know miracles exist in heaven. And so I thank you now for miracle working power being released in every life, in every home, in every person's life, in Jesus' name. And we thank you that we shall see the salvation of God. And if you believe that prayer, just give him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be here this morning. As you stand with every head bow and every eye closed, you may be here this morning.